Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My guest today is Alan Cohen. He is an executive coach, an author, and an all-around fun, real, down-to-earth, engaging, magical human. Alan, I'm so excited you're here. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is such a pleasure. It's been a while since we've had an opportunity to chat. So let's start with a new book. Yeah. Share it with us. What's it called? Yeah, so the name of the book is The Connection Challenge, How Executives Create Power and Possibility in the Age of Distraction. Mm. Mm. But anybody could read it. You don't have to be an executive. Yeah, okay. So what's the, talk about distraction. I'm sorry, I was distracted. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so, Someone asked me recently, and I thought it was, just, it was a, really good, a really good, obvious question, but maybe one that I had not asked myself, was what, why I wrote the book, right? Like, you know, it, it would seem like you would just kind of know that, but it, it's, it's a book that sort of wrote itself, and I forgot what was the, what was the stimulus. And, and so I, I will get to the answer about distraction in, in a second, but, but I've always... It's, I've always been very comfortable connecting with people and, and I'm, I'm highly extroverted. And since I was a kid, I made friends easily and I was like the Pied Piper and, you know, I'm 56, but like most of my life, I've, I've always been drawn to professions with a lot of extroverts and just very comfortable socially. But, but I also noticed that over the past few years, what used to come easily for me is a little harder. And I think that in this busy, distracted world, it's, it, it can become more difficult, and I speak for myself for sure, to, to have deeper relationships because people are distracted and impatient. And, and so, you know, I, I was a recruiter for a while. I, I noticed like even in the recruiting process, like, like it, where it used to be like, you know, I have uh, 30 minutes for you to, to relate to me and me to you like now it's like it's a sound bite it's like i got five minutes because i'm so distracted because i got to get to the next thing and i got to get the next thing and i got to get to the next thing so so i wanted to write a book that would help people connect more deeply connect to themselves connect to the world connect to their employees given the fact that we are that there's so many things competing for our time and attention yeah so what does connection mean to you now remember we I, we had that whole conversation. I actually posted it on Facebook um, because I wanted to do a little crowdsourcing or what connection meant to other people. And I'd always like, you know, for me it was I, I kind of adopted Brene Brown's definition uh, about being seen, heard, and valued. I, I 
where I kind of landed was it, it really is about a shared heartbeat where, where you feel acknowledged in the interaction. And, um, and so when two hearts beat as one and um, around an experience, that, that to me feels like connection. Then connection is also um, those sort of little points along the, the pathway toward a relationship or through a relationship. Like, you, you know, you can feel a connection with somebody in the moment, but not necessarily have a deep relationship. Um, that sort of, it could be a moment to moment thing. I really like that. And I like that there's room for that piece of connection. Like when you're just in a crowd with somebody, this is, this is what I pictured as you were talking, you're in a crowd with someone and you're not even like having any sort of dialogue with them, but you do still feel some sort of connection with that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but for me, like, you know, sometimes it's even hard to put into words, like, like how I can feel so connected to somebody who I've only met who I met in just like 30 seconds and because it's something that they, something that they say, or it is a kind of energy that they're putting forth or it is like a, a finishing of the, it is like a finishing of my sentence. Um, that can sometimes be really annoying when the person finishes it incorrectly, but you know, but when like you're really on that same wavelength with somebody Mm -hmm. that's so powerful, yeah, there are, I mean, there are people I haven't met in person yet. I mean, we haven't met in person yet. I feel completely connected to you, but we're like, I feel like we're old friends. Old souls, old friends. Yeah, old, yeah, yeah. It's all well, and I just love also what, I just love what you're putting, putting out in the world. And, and I talk a lot about connection and authenticity and, you know, that relationship. And I just think you're so, you, you model that authenticity in a way that's really, notable and noticeable and um, i love that like you don't i don't get the sense that you give a lot of weight or thought to what other people think and about you and and i like that that you just seem so free and um that's something that i I know many people most people aspire to thank you i am i am very happily free and really just, yeah, don't care what other people yeah. think. <laughs> as yeah. much as they still want to be liked. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool, right? Yeah. And I spent, I spent so much of my lifetime trying to control what other people thought about me and trying to say what, what would please others. And, and I have found a lot of freedom in letting that go. How did you let that go? <sighs> yeah, well, I do think that, that I think people-pleasing is a bit of a disease. And, and, and so I, I do, uh, I would say that I'm, I'm in recovery I, I, in so many different areas of my life, but, but I am definitely like, it, like a recovering people pleaser. And, and so the one thing that, that's been helpful for me is to always ask myself, what's my motivation? What, like, why am I saying this? Like, why am I doing this? Why, because that will that will give me information about whether it's I'm, my people pleasing is what's at play, right? Like, am, like well, am I trying to control you by saying what I'm saying? Um, like what, you know, and then also just as, as coach, as a coach, like I'm all about helping other people transform their lives. Like for me, I'm also seeing that when I am willing to change, change my pattern, that's where transformation can is likely to come. 
So don't, don't say what, don't, it's like, I, like I've asked clients for done. It's like, well, do you want me to be nice or do you want me to be honest? And, um, and so that's, it's, I think people do at the end of the day, want you to be honest and don't want you to just say what. Has what. anyone ever asked you to be nice? Of course Instead not. Of honest? Of course not. <laughs> Well, I can be nice and honest, yeah. but I do think it's like, I do think that I have been inauthentic and dishonest in, in situations in my lifetime because I was trying to control mm. what other people thought of me and it was all fear-based. So I'm yeah, we just beginning to let that go. Do you remember when you learned that behavior? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I... <sighs> I'm not a therapist and, and uh, nor do I play one on television, but I do think that, uh, I do think that probably at a very early age, I felt like there was something wrong with me. I, I, I felt like, I, I felt like there were, and there were things about me that I couldn't fully accept. And I, and societally, I didn't feel I was accepted. And, and so when you come from that place of feeling like you're not enough, then, then you're going to do whatever you can to manage how other people see you. And, can, and, and so there is that, a kind of controlling, um, a controlling of public opinion. Right? Yeah. So, so you, go ahead. Yeah. So I was gay. I, I, I was dead. <laughs> I'm recovered. No, I, I am. I am wholly gay. I am, where is it on that Kinsey chart? I am all the way over there, gay, 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 gay. Um, but, it, but as a kid, you know, when growing up in the, in the 60s, 70s, like being gay was, was not, certainly not accepted in, in my community. And, um, you know, so I lived in the closet for a long time. And I, and I think that because I felt, the message was that there was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. um, I would do anything to make sure that people liked me, even if they didn't see the truth of who I was. So what kind of, do you remember like your most extravagant thing you did to make sure people liked you? Oh my God. So <laughs> many. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, whoops, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. But also I'm like a nice guy, like, you know, so that, you know, so it's, it's sometimes hard to distinguish like, you know, was that a people pleasing thing or was that just because I'm, you know, a sweetheart. But I mean, I remember I had a, I had a running tab at a jewelry store near where I lived when I was like age 12. Um, and because I was buying pewter bracelets for every single girl that I liked. Um, wow. Yeah. My mom and parents were like, honey. <laughs> did they, so did they know about it from the beginning, your parents? They kind of didn't pay, they didn't pay close attention to it, but then it, you know, then it started to get a little out of control, <laughs> right? I also did, well, well, that, well, that story is not as, well, that story, I think it was generally extravagant gifts for other girls, like bas mitzvahs, but then I was also running this, like, epic tab at the, um, with the good humor man, because I was buying ice cream for everyone all the time. And that did, that. and the humor man, the good humor man was like, didn't necessarily tell my parents every month, but then suddenly it was like three months in and, you know, Mrs. Cohen, your son's racked up a huge eclair, you know, toasted almond bill. Um, so I don't know, was that maybe, that probably was a little bit of people pleasing, 
Like, I were, didn't really... Were you actually paying for it? or was Yeah, it like no, a... I was running a tab. That is fabulous, though. But I was little. I was young. I mean, I was probably eight years old. Yeah. So you just wanted to make everyone happy. I think so. But, I mean, there probably was a little bit of, like, controlling in that. So, yeah, so back to your, like... I, now, yeah, it's such a good question. I, I think um, I, I, I can't put my finger on all of the moments, but I know that there have definitely been times where I went against what I really thought was the right thing to do um, because I was so afraid of, of arguments or people disagreeing with me that I would say what I thought you wanted to hear rather than what I really believed in. How'd that work out for you? Not well, not well at all, because it, because it results in a lot of resentment and, and hostility. And, and so I I've, have let that go. Um, not, you know, it's not always easy, but, but that's, uh, I'm committed to that. Yeah. Do you ever call yourself out? Like I've heard myself uh, I remember one time specifically, and I don't remember what the conversation was, but I I agreed with somebody. I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I heard what I said, and I was like, no, actually, <laughs> I just said that because I thought that's what you wanted me to say. But yeah. what I really think is blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, probably. Probably. I do think, though, I've gotten better at catching myself before it comes out. Um, but there are, definitely time, there are definitely times where, you know, sometimes just to sort of make peace or move on, I'll, I'll agree with someone even though I really don't. Yeah. It doesn't even feel good when you say that out loud. It's like, I know. Yeah. Ick. Icky. But we're human. Yeah. yeah. Well, like on social media too, I'm like, I've noticed like I am not, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm, I'm inauthentic, but I do really dance around the edges. Like, it's rare for me to just come out and say, like, I think so-and-so is, like, a like POS or, like, I couldn't agree more. Like, I'll always be like, I'll, like, send out an article that I agree with, but I'll say, like, what do you think? Like, obviously, it's what I think. You know, it's like, you know, so I, I don't, I tend not to, I'm I'm not always really bold in terms of claiming a position. I think it is so interesting because I didn't realize that. I think that I see maybe what you intend. I see it as your opinion. Okay. I don't, but that just might be me. <laughs> yeah. I. Well, you know me. Right. Right. So like, so like that you, maybe see those things through a filter. Yeah. Like I'm not, I think I, I think I, as much as I think I am provocative, I also think I, I think I probably play things a lot safer and more measured because I don't, I don't really like conflict. So what do you really want to say that you're not saying? Oh, um, you're such a good coach today, Kelsey. You're a, you're <laughs> a good you coach are. every day. Um, I'll have to think about that one. I'll have to think about that one. I mean, we were talking earlier on this call before the call got started about politics, and I do have a lot of opinions, but I just don't want to go there. Like, I don't want to fan the flames of, like, unpleasant political discourse. 
certainly like whether it's in my living room with, you know, friends and family, although most of them agree with me, uh, or like in the sort of in the, in the greater world, in the outer world, um, because I just don't, I, I just don't want to get into arguments. But then sometimes I feel like, I feel like sometimes I, um, there is a little bit of people pleasing in that because I'm like so afraid of rocking the boat yeah. that I don't, that I'm not always completely honest about how I'm feeling. And sometimes what I'm feeling is just like fear. Mm-hmm. This is fear-based, but I don't put that out there because I don't like the idea that somebody else is going to tell me, you know, you, you're wrong to be fearful or like you're, you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're whatever you're being, you're catastrophizing or you're being crazy or whatever. So I think that's it. I think I, I think sometimes I want to be more honest about how I'm feeling around the political discussion, but I'm afraid of stoking the fire. So we were talking before we started recording about triggers mm-hmm. and dancing around triggers and a little bit of button pushing. Yeah. So what have you learned in your brief research today? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and I, and you know, we were talking about connection and I am really working right now at that intersection between connection and conflict, mm-hmm. um, which is perfect. It's perfect for somebody who's conflict diverse like that, you know, that I would be drawn to deepen my understanding of that. And my first book was actually about around difficult conversations and, and, but I'm, but now I'm looking at how, like how, when we give voice to the conflict that we're experiencing in real time, we lay the groundwork for deepening connection. And, and that's the, that's the idea that I'm playing with. And, and so I, I think that because we, I think that we sometimes confuse disagreement with disconnection yes. and, and I think it's perfectly okay to disagree and still feel a connection with you. Um, but we need to learn how to engage in those conversations and, and, and seek out, seek, under, to understand where the other person's coming from, to, um, to look at, to, to focus more on what we do, where we, what we do share and what we do have in common, and to not, to not be overly concerned about trying to change somebody else's mind. I, I, I think that's what's where, where we get triggered because we're trying so hard to convince or persuade rather than just engage. And um, maybe you'll learn something that you didn't know and maybe it will help, it'll open up your eyes to a different, a different way of thinking. I think it's, it's, I think it's challenging to have those conversations with people who, who don't share your views on things and let go of judgment. Yeah. And, um, you know, my husband is, he's hysterical about that. He's like, he's like, you know, they're just because they're different doesn't mean that you're better. And, um, you know, he's always pointing that out. It's like, well, they, you know, but we, but, but it's easy sometimes to think, so, well, my way is, you know, because I'm more X, Y, and Z, therefore my way or my thoughts, my thinking is right. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, you know, that's no, um, it's not a contest. And, and, And while I may not have to be like best friends with you, like if I want to at least have, if, if I want to create at least an opportunity to learn something a little more about, how the rest of the world, how other people see things, then, then I need to let go of a lot of my own judgment, my, my, my black and white thinking, my, my prejudice, my arrogance, my, my little living in a bubble, East Coast bubble thing. 
And when we do, I mean, I think that's what, that, the hard piece is putting that all aside. Because when we do, I think we can be really present with someone and find, find other people truly fascinating. I was, I, was, um, I was having a conversation at the pool the other day without going into all the details on vacation with this guy who I mean, could not have been more different from me in terms of, um, you know, socioeconomic, whatever, you know, I'm like Jewish, liberal, gay, New Yorker, he's not, you know, the only thing that we could like land on that we agreed about was that some men should never do drag. <laughs> Honest to God, that was what we could, right? I mean, and that was, you know, even that from a coaching perspective, I mean, if they want to do drag, that's great. But I, oh no, it was actually that some men make really unattractive drag queens. How it wasn't did you get they, to that? Uh, honey, because I was <laughs> raping the surface to try to find something we could agree on, right? But like then once we got, once we found that place and we could sort of share a laugh, like, and open up, there was a little more trust. There was a little more here, like a little more of an ability to hear each other. And, and it felt a little safer. Mm -hmm. So like, if we don't like first focus on what we may have in common, there's no potential to be heard. Yeah. Zippo. It's almost, it feels like in some conversations we're actually looking for what's different. Yeah. Seeking out the differences and then just like closing ourselves off. Right. And we'll find it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, oh, yeah. you know, if that's what we're looking for, we'll find it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, with some people, it's a little, a little more challenging than with others. And, and please like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I am not at mastery level here. Like that, that little pool experiment was just that. I was like, I, you know, if I'm really going to be out there in the world teaching this and, and trying to empower others and trying to create more of that kind of dialogue, then I need to, I need to step into my own discomfort around that. And, um, and it was a cool, it was a cool experiment. I have to say. I love that. I love that outlook. And so if it's an experiment and that's like the first round of experimentation, what happens in the next round? Yeah. And I would say that was fairly safe too, because it's sitting next to somebody in a pool. You probably never see him again. You know, it's what about a family member? Um, I'm open to it. You know, I've got family members. I've got um, like cousins who have very political views and I don't, I, it's hard for me to see where they're coming from, but, but there's love present in that relationship, which makes me more, makes me feel a little safer to have the conversation. Yeah. Because as long as love is there, then, then I feel safe to say, Hey, I'm feeling really, I'm confused right now, or I'm, I'm scared because of what I know you believe and how can we, you know, where, where, can we find some um, some understanding of where each of us is coming from? So. How do you trust and believe that the love is there when the when you disagree so strongly? I, I mean, with certain family members, I, I, I because they've shown up for me in 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 those moments where I needed them, um, and because of the kind you know how giving they they have been and 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 supportive in in the ways that matter i think they just may not fully understand 
where I'm coming from? Or, you know, they, I, I, I maybe would want to just help them see it from my perspective. But then I'm open to hear it from their perspective as well. So mm -hmm. it's got to be a two-way street. It, it, it can't just be like, you know, I, I want you to, you know, I need you to see it from my, my perspective. It's like, help me, uh, help me see it from yours. Right. As you said earlier, if we set out to try and change somebody else's perspective, we're not, that kind of blocks connection. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So and, I, and I am always open to the possibility that there's something I'm not seeing. Mm -hmm. Always. Because there always. always is. There's always something that we're not seeing. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a world that lives in our blind spot. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I certainly accept that I've got one. And, and if somebody can see something that I can't see or know something that I don't know, then, then bring it on. Right? Yeah. I'm willing to try it on even yeah. if it's just for a few minutes. Well, I love the idea of just experiment with it. Yeah. 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 I always think of it as like literally trying something on. Like, okay, uh -huh. I'll try on this shirt. Mm. That's kind <laughs> of uncomfortable, but I'll try it on for like a, yeah. for a couple more minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But I also realize like, and again, without getting into like a whole political like discussion, I, I, like I live in, you know, in, like two feet away from the West Village in in Manhattan, and like like we're like I'm surrounded by people who think the way that I think and see the world the way I like like it wasn't until this wasn't until the election last year that I realized how what the bubble what the bubble was that I live in like that's not the world I mean that's like you know the the, the sort of what how we see the world like from from these different coasts is very different from how most of this country sees the world. Also like, like it's been important for me to like, that's been a huge awareness and I'm actually on days where I'm not freaking out. Um, it, I actually think it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Like, cause you know, cause it helps you realize like, you know, we, we're not the, it's a big, it's a big country, a lot of different views. And a lot of fear. All acro across the board. Yeah. 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 We saw some interesting things as we went from campground to campground. Um, you know, a lot of people share their opinions on bumper stickers. Sure. Some cars covered in them. Yeah. All covered in fear and hate. Yeah. I'm all about like really just like peeling it back like what's underneath that fear and what's underneath what's underneath. And, and I bet if we dig deep, if we go, if we peel that onion back far enough, like all of our fears are very similar. Yes. I think it, it's all going to come down to like safety, security, wanting to be liked, wanting to be loved, mm -hmm. fear of like being judged. Yeah. 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 We're all the same. We are. Right. We just take that fear and land differently. Yep. And you have to create the space to have those conversations. Yeah. And I'm not sure that Facebook is always the best place to, to engage yeah. in the deeper, the deeper, more thoughtful kinds of conversations. Yeah. It tends not to be spacious enough for that thoughtfulness. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so buttons. 
I want to talk about buttons. Yeah. What, how would you define buttons? Well, that which we, that which we can push in, in others or in that which gets pushed in us. Yeah. So those, those, those areas that are maybe a little unhealed or um, that can easily get provoked or, or perhaps a value, a strong value that you have that, um, that maybe can feel at times in conflict with somebody else's value, values or how they're communicating with you. Um, I, I think buttons push, I mean, this sounds so evolved, right? Like, but like, I feel like most of my growth comes from an awareness of when my buttons are being pushed. Like what, cause when like everything's going beautifully and everyone's agreeing with me and life is just, life is just flowing along. Like I'm not necessarily, there isn't necessarily the growth that's coming yeah. when that comes when your buttons are pushed. So like that, you know, what could be an example? Like, you know, yeah, like right now I'm sitting on a, I mean, this pushes my buttons for sure. It's like I, you know, I proposed this project about a month ago and, you know, and did the whole dog and pony show. And it's been like complete crickets from this prospect. You know, four weeks have gone by, no response to emails, nothing, nothing. And that pushes my buttons, right? Because it pushes a button that I have around my value and my time. And, uh, but it's also, but it's also, a little bit of like scarcity and fear based where, so I'm like aware. It's like, well, there's nothing for me to be fearful about and there's nothing for me to be angry or resentful about. Like it's not my job to change their behavior or to like, you know, show, show them like how my way is better because I always follow up right away or, but what it like, what's more interesting is like the awareness that like, I don't, I don't have to be fearful about getting the work or not getting the work. Like, like, there's so many other things going on in my life that I don't need to be attached to when I hear back from them or if I hear back from them. And, and so the growth for me is, as really is like moved from scarcity mindset to, to abundance and growth mindset. And, um, and so that, but it's only that I notice how far I've come by noticing where I'm, where the trigger shows up. So are you still feeling the trigger and you're just like able to look at it and be like, huh? Okay. Like on a, I would say like on a one to 10 trigger scale with 10 being like, I want to call all my friends and complain to, um, you know, and hold them hostage to (laughs) my complaining to like a one that it has no, no energy at all. I would say it's around a, it's around a four. Nice. Because also because I just like, and but what will sort of shift me higher is is coming more from a place of curiosity, right? And like, like what you know, what is going on in in their lives that is in the way of their communicating. Right, which as a coach gets to be kind of like 
I want to coach you around this. Exactly. But you're right. not getting back to me, so I can't coach you. Right. Like, what's the impact that that has on how, how prospects and employees have on you? And, yeah. you know, but, but where the, the lower consciousness is like making it about me. Mm-hmm. I'm like being a victim and, you know, and like, I'm, you know, and it's like the activation of the, I'm not good enough to work in your company. Right. Like that message. Like that's just, that's old story. And it's disempowering, and I choose to let that go. Yeah, it, it sounds like even your energy shifted as you were saying it. It sounds like it's like an old story you found in the back of your closet. And it's funny with those old stories, because it, it's so habitual to call them up, mm-hmm. that like even if you actually have moved beyond it, there's like, sort of a, there's like a thought cluster that gets activated. Yeah. It's like, oh, I always did that, so I'm just going to play that tape again right now, yeah. even though I'm not really, I don't really believe it. But, but it's, it's habit. Yeah. So. And sometimes when we say it out loud, then we can hear it and be like, but, but no, I don't actually believe that at all anymore. Yeah. Like it doesn't yeah. even sound like me when I'm saying those words. Exactly. It's like the, you know, and you and I took that class together and the, the pos- positive, um, you know, neuroscience. And it's mm-hmm. like the, like the, the negativity bias will still try to, try to override all the good things that are happening um, in my life. But, but when I notice, when I remind myself that that's all it is, then, then I can create a strategy to reframe it or, or move it, move it away. Yeah. The negativity highway is just like a more well-traveled highway. Mm-hmm. I like the, um, uh, you know, in the headspace, the headspace app, they have like the, is there about like the thoughts, like thoughts are like the little cars along the highway yeah. and you're on the, on the side and you just decide which car do you, you, do you want to watch those thoughts just pass on the highway or are you going to jump into the car? Yeah. And, um, and I'm very, I'm very mindful of which car I jump into these days. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't really be jumping into anybody's car, frankly. <laughs> Stranger danger. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But I, I think that's interesting. I think like that jumping into cars becomes a habit. Yep. Like, we just ch- jump on everything. Yeah. Yeah. And noticing is the first step. Yeah. Awareness. Awareness. Awareness, Awareness. and acceptance. Yeah. But I'm still, I, I would say I still get curious about the things that do take me out. Like, because they, because it will, it still will, it, it will often surprise me, mm-hmm. right? And then I want to understand, like, is that really, is it really, you were talking about, like, the thing behind the thing, right? Yeah. That, hi, Karen. Hi, Jen. The, um, but it's like, well, am I really, a, well, last night I got back from this beautiful vacation and I couldn't find my earplugs. And, and Barry had, like, because Barry had, like, rearranged the kitchen, and I got so angry, like I got so triggered by it. But I'm like, really? Like, I'm getting angrier about this than like not being able to pay my bills two months ago. <laughs> like, why is this, like, why is this so upsetting to me? And I realized, well, it's just, it's, it, it has to do with like a need to control. It has to do with like, it has to do with my feeling respected by my partner, like that you know, that he knows like that I like things where they are and that he moved things without like telling me like 
you know, had me feeling disrespect. But it wasn't really about the earplugs, right? I mean, I got I got millions of earplugs, <laughs> right? But it was more, it's more like underneath it, there was some like fear around loss of control. Yeah. And um, and so when you notice that, you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I think when we notice, we realize how hilarious we are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and hopefully you haven't made like, your spouse or your employer, employee, like feel really, really bad yeah. because your your amygdala hijacking like totally <laughs> had you misbehaving. Yep. yep. Sorry about oh. that. Flipped out. All right. Yep. That was silly. Yeah. yeah. We all do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's human. That's okay. Human. So, how do people? How do you teach people? to respond to their buttons or maybe just notice them or get curious? Yeah, well, I certainly reframing the experience, practicing looking at things from different perspectives uh, is, is helpful. Creating strategies in advance so that if you know that you're really triggered or you have your buttons pushed when somebody's always late and you're going to meet a friend who you know is always late and you've had that conversation with them and they're still late and you're still choosing to be their friend, then like either show up 15 minutes late yourself or bring a freaking book. Right. I mean like you, you know, you, the, and, and reframe that, you know, that they're disrespecting you into something more powerful. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, to, to, think that, to think that the world is always going to operate as we want is a formula for resentment and unhappiness. Um, I think that, um, yeah, like also just like noticing where you're triggered. Like, sometimes it's just a matter of, like, being able to just snap yourself out of it in the moment. Like, you know, and, and, and who, you know, well, maybe you wear a rubber band around your, around your wrist, and when your mother criticizes your hair, you, like, you just, like, snap that rubber band to sort of snap you back into, into the present, right? Because you're probably reacting off of, like, some old story and some old, old habit or... Uh, dialogue that you have with your mother and you know maybe like you know you snap that 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 rubber band and you give it a message that like today we're going to start we're going to have a new conversation yeah. we're going to we're going to create a new story about this right, so we can be creative yeah and i think that's so true that like a lot of times we're we're reacting to this old story Mm -hmm. Or maybe maybe a just total bullshit story that we made up along the yeah. way. I remember <laughs> I'm I'm a popular culture nut, but there was a, a Will and Grace episode and Will was dating this cop and, and the cop the cop would always talk about how his father like totally disrespected him. And and so Will went to dinner with the his boyfriend and the family and and the and the father asked Ask the um, the cop's son, could you pass? Could you pass the bread? And the cop went ballistic. He's like, "See, see what he does. He always does." That. 
And Will was like, he asked you to pass the bread, right? So we're like, so there's like some story that we're, that, and some experience that, that is always present from the past that we're bringing into every conversation. And our, so our filter, like we're, we're experiencing life through that filter of what was versus the filter of what is or the filter of what could be. Yeah. Oh, good filter. stuff. The filter. The filter. The filter. Filter. Um, okay, it's totally switching directions. Sure. I'm, I'm really curious. What's the scariest thing you've ever done? God. I know. Um, yeah, I'm going to sort of back into it. I mean, I, I am constantly taking risks in my life. Mm -hmm. I got, like, I, I feel like the universe is always giving me an opportunity to get out of my comfort zone and, you know, and sort of go bigger, try something new. Um, I, I would say that probably the biggest risk you said. Scariest thing. Scariest thing. Scariest thing. Wow. Um, I think probably getting sober. I, you know, that, that was, that was 14 years ago. I, I would say like giving up alcohol was scary for me because I knew that I, I knew that I wanted to and felt that I needed to, but I didn't know what my life was going to look like without it. Because for me, the story was always like, I'm fun. Like, like I, like it makes me more fun. And my social life was built around being with people who were big partiers. And, and so, so it was scary, but for some reason, well, desperation overrode the scary. And then, and then faith, faith played a big part to that, that it would be better and that I didn't have to know what it was going to look like on the other side. So I would say that was probably the biggest, the biggest, um, the most frightening thing that I've ever stepped into. How did you get to that place of accepting that you didn't have to know what was on the other side? Yeah. And that's also, it sort of relates to our earlier conversation about letting go of control. Yeah. All right. Like, cause I'm always wanting to, maybe it's an acting background, like always wanting to sort of direct everything and sort of have it, you know, look right. And, um, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure. I mean, except that maybe like, you know, just trying to control everything wasn't really working for me either. You know, I would, con I would, you know, get high to sort of control how I was feeling. Mm-hmm or to control the people around me or, you know, control sort of just, you know, I would lie and, you know, lie and conceal as a means to control, to control. Um, but that stopped working. So I guess I just turned over, turned it over to, to hope that, you know, it was going to be okay. And I didn't need to know. And I also seen a lot of people who had a very positive experience. So. I knew that I want, I wanted that. I love Alan how it sounds like your whole life you've been experimenting. Like, <laughs> on. So what happens 
when I run up a huge good humor tab and buy a beautiful yeah. neighborhood? What yeah. happens when I buy all the girls' pewter bracelets? Yeah. What happens when I drink? What yeah. happens when I do drugs? Uh, yeah. What happens? And there's still a lot of that in me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, you know, I experience a lot of duality in my life. You know, there's the, the good boy and the bad boy and everything in between. And, and um, there, there's a, um, you know, so I like to play in, in, I like to play in all those different dimensions. Yeah. I mean, good, bad has such a judgment, right? But like, I like to be like naughty. Like, I like to be provocative. I don't always want to be like sort of a, you know, Boy Scout, you know, high conscious. Like part of like, sometimes I want to just get low and um, I don't want to hurt anybody, right? Don't want to hurt myself, but, but yeah, I, I, I think life is a whole bunch of experiments. And someday I'll get it right. I don't know. Yeah, I think you are getting it right right now. I think so. I'm having a blast. And really what else is there to do than have yeah. a blast? Yeah. Just you're having I, a blast you know, and you're changing lives. And changing lives. Yeah. We went, to, uh, we went to Havana over the weekend. Yeah. So how was that? It was amazing. I would talk about like, you know, experience and experiment. And, uh, I, I, I was joking. I always thought I was the interesting one in my relationship. Yeah. You know, I just like, that's a story I told myself because we've been together 30 years and so, well, like I'm the one that worked in the creative field and, and you know, and my, my spouse is a doctor, so practical. But uh, yeah, just sort of spur of the moment was like, let's go to Havana this weekend. I'm like, what? Like, that wasn't on my bucket list, but we just did it. And I love the experiment. I just love the, you know, the, the, the adventure, the spontaneity, the just, just, yeah, just love, love the, just love the experience and the experiment. I what just you never want to be dull. What? No, you're never going to be dull, Ellen. No. What did no. you learn in your brief? Journey? They drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's like you know it's like maybe it was just the tour that we were on but like you know there was a um there was a um, uh mojito stop every two two feet um what did i learn i i mean it's a okay here's what i learned right they don't need america they don't need us they're doing fine right they're beautiful people they're like they're like they're living like they're they're joyful. Um, I mean, maybe they do financially. Like I don't know. I, I mean, but on the surface, there seems to be a lot of joy, and um, and I think it is a lot of hubris. Um, you know, for for us to think that we like have to rescue people. Yes. Yeah. I love the music and the like. People just break out into dancing on the streets. That's real. Like, so that's amazing. Spontaneous spontaneous dancing they take such good care of their cars like those vintage cars and spend a heck of a lot less money you know keep maintaining them than mm-hmm. americans do it's so. fascinating so it sounds like there's a lot we could all learn from them totally totally and that's my my plan uh, you know for the next however many years i'm on this planet is to just travel as much as i can and see the world and learn about other cultures and, and perfect my Spanish and uh, see. 
Perfect <laughs> means perfect means actually learn it yeah. beyond my college uh, my college Spanish. Um, yeah. So where where's on your list? Where do you want to go? Australia. I've never been to Brazil. I'd love to go to, but Australia, Thailand, those are up there. Yeah. Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How I about you? To all those places too. Come um, with us. Yeah, that would be so fun. So fun. Um, I want to go everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And we will. And we can. We right? will. Create yeah. that possibility. Absolutely. And just follow our curiosity. Totally. So, Alan, thank you so much. So much. This has been awesome. Oh, my God. This so, like, went by so fast. I have no so idea fast. what I said. What did I say? Oh, my I God. Know. But we'll find out when I, I listen to the recording. Are we going to have to redact? Nah. Nah. Absolutely not. Okay, good. So, <laughs> if people want to learn more about you, how, the, how can they do that? They can go to my website, alansamuelcohen.com, and uh, everything's there. Information about my books and coaching and speaking and all that groovy stuff. Sweet. uh, Stay connected. Yeah, Yeah, and they're all going to come follow you on Facebook too. Yeah, I'm I'm on Alan Samuel Cohen everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, the Twitter. Did you ever think you'd use your middle name so much? No, I, I, the past, were you part of that discussion when I took it, when I claimed it? No. Yeah. So that was like, so I think like two years ago, some branding person said there are a lot of Alan Cohen's out there mm-hmm. who do similar things. And, and so I added back my middle name and I love it. I, you know, it's still, I'm still not, it still sounds funny sometimes when I say it. Um, but, but Sam was my uncle and, um, and a grandfather, and uh, I'm not a grandmother. Sorry, just a, just an uncle, and um, and I love like that connection to my family. What a gift! Yeah, I love it. My my grandfathers were Harry and Irving. Just for the record, <laughs> not the same. Those are perfect names. They are a little they Jewish, are. just a little, just a just, little, just a little. That's perfect. All right, my friend, this has been amazing. Thank you for sharing yourself. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Find Your Awesome podcast. I'd like to invite you to head over to kelseyabbott.com to grab a series of short meditations. And please come join the Find Your Awesome group on Facebook. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please tell the world in whatever way feels good to you. And please leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for being part of this crazy adventure.